My name is Jonathan Wilson. I'm a member of the worship team. You're listening to the podcast from King's Cross Church in Charleston, South Carolina. We are working our way through the entire Bible during 2023 in a sermon series called The Story. For more information about our church or to find resources related to the story, visit kingscross.org. I have three daughters, and on Friday, Ellie, my oldest, informed me that Monday night, which is tomorrow night, the Kansas City Chiefs will be playing the Philadelphia Eagles. She also told me that what made this game unique was that there were two brothers on opposing teams. Not sure if you knew that or not, but now you do. Now, before this season, I'm not sure if Ellie knew that there was even anything such thing as Monday Night Football, uh, or that the Chiefs and Eagles were even teams. And I'm not sure if she could even name one person who played in the NFL. But all that changed this fall. When the Chiefs tight end, you know where I'm going, Travis Kelsey started dating everybody in unison, Taylor Swift. There you go. Man, I don't know if there's a church in America that's had somebody scream at the church, scream out Taylor Swift's name in unison, but there you go. All right, so you see on the screen, here's uh, all positions on the field at any given time, offense and defense. There's 22 uh, players on the field, uh, but does any of that really matter? We're only concerned about one, and that's Travis Kelsey. I was talking to Anna Claire and Jordy last night just to see if they were up to date on this, and they both told me that they're very aware of who Travis Kelsey is, and he plays for the Chiefs. And uh, even Anna Claire informed me, as many of you know, that Travis Kelsey is possibly the greatest tight end of all time, or at least he's in the running, if you're voting for that. Um, And so when Monday night happens, we're only concerned about one player on the field in one position with Taylor Swift cheering from the stands. But the truth is, and Travis this is very valuable information to him, otherwise he wouldn't be able to play his position very well, is that there's other players on the field that are very skilled at their position to be able to take the team, hopefully, to a victory. Uh, That whether it's offense or defense or special teams, uh, Travis wants everybody to know, and uh, we need to know as it comes to football or any other team, that every position will have a player that is best suited for that role. And it's the same with any team, sports related or not. Every team has unique roles that required certain types of people with certain types of skills. Whether it's building houses or serving food or fighting crime or providing health care or teaching students or selling insurance or as some people in our church are building cars or planes or selling software or practicing law. Most of us are on one team or another. And if you're on a team at school, work, recreation, or if you're part of a group of volunteers here at church or somewhere else, you have been given a particular position with a specific role to accomplish the overall mission of the team. And it's no different in the church. So our biblical truth this morning is that everyone on God's team, has a position to play. 
Everyone on God's team has a position to play. But there is one difference. There is one difference between every other team that you probably have been on or on and the, being a part of God's team. When you were hired for a job, you were given a position based on your resume, your experience, your skill set. You were hired because you were the best of all the candidates they interviewed. But to join God's team, your resume is never good enough. In fact, because we are sinners and God is holy, our resumes actually disqualify us. Pastor and author Robert B. Munger, he once said that the church is the only fellowship in the world where the one requirement for membership is the unworthiness of the candidate. So we're about to see uh, God does not call those who are already qualified, that he really does qualify those he calls. So, so far in this chapter on the church, we've been in Acts and Romans, and this is what we've looked at. We've looked at the birth of the church. We've looked at the mission of the church. We've looked at the impact of the church. In the last two weeks, we looked at the message of the church. And this morning, we're in the next book. So we've been in Acts, went to Romans, and now we are in Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, where the church was divided. And they were actually on the verge of a church split. But in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul shows us that we are all on the same team with one Lord and one mission. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read uh, four excerpts from four chapters, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And then I'm going to look at Ephesians 4 to show this. God's ongoing strategy for the church to fulfill his mission for the world. So let's go. Number one, God has given everyone on his team a gift. He's given you a gift because he's put you in a role to where you have a position that you're equipped to play for God's team. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Several observations for this point, that God has given everyone on his team a gift. First, is that everyone on the team has a supernatural gift. So, a few things. One, it's a gift. You didn't earn it. Just like your salvation. If you're on God's team and you've come to a relationship where you recognize you're a sinner and you've received Jesus' gift of grace by accepting him as Lord and Savior, that was just a gift given to you, and all you did was open up the package. You just received it. It's the same thing with living the Christian life, too, and the way in which God blesses us and gifts us. There's just gifts that we receive. Second thing is it's supernatural. We see here that it was given by God. It's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. It's empowered by God. And it's for every single believer. Every member of God's team gets a gift, empowers them all and everyone, and to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Second, 
There are multiple lists of gifts in the New Testament. And your gift may be on one of these lists. Now, I'm going to read from three different places in the New Testament. Verses 8 through 10 and 1 Corinthians 12. Then we're going to look at the end of the chapter. And then you can bounce over to Romans 12 and you'll see more gifts. It's actually gifts are alluded to in Romans 1 and 1 Peter, I think it's 4, and Ephesians 4. And so I think this kind of indicates that there's, this probably isn't like a complete list because it's in different places and then there's some, uh, some alluding to some other gifts. And so, but here's a list that's given in God's word. Uh, he lists out nine in verses eight through 10, wisdom and knowledge, faith is a gift and healing and miracles, and prophecy, discernment, languages or tongues and interpretation. And then he has three more in verse 28, teaching and helping, administration. And then he mentions five more in Romans 12, 7 through 8. He mentions serving and encouragement, generosity, leadership, and mercy. If you are on God's team, you've been given a gift. And, and maybe your gift, or you might be given several gifts. Maybe they're on the list that we just read. For instance, some of you, when there's an opportunity to serve, you sign up, whether with the homeless ministry or football pregame meals, King's Cross Kids on Sunday morning, or Operation Christmas Child. So many people have volunteered with Jenny and Valerie this week. And um, if this is you, then you've possibly been given the gift of service. Others, when there is an opportunity to be generous and to give to a specific need, you know what you do? You write a check. Say, hey, how can I give? Good. I'm, glad. I'm so glad you told me about a need because now I get to write a check. If this is you, then maybe you have the gift of generosity. Others are always looking for opportunities to encourage those who are down or help those who are in need. If this is you, you may have the gift of encouragement. If you're someone who does not struggle with worry or being anxious and sees God answer lots of prayers, then you probably have the gift of faith. Some of you, when you teach, more people show up to learn because you have the ability to take complex truths and relay them in a way that is easy to comprehend. Some of you are able to use your gifts of administration to help build better systems to reach more people with the gospel. And others are using their gifts right now in our church of wisdom and knowledge and leadership to disciple others. So maybe one of those gifts are yours, maybe it's another gift. And right now, I probably got you at a place where some of you are saying, yep, I know what my gift is, and I'm using it for God's kingdom and his glory. And the rest of you are thinking, man, I have no idea what my gift is, and I really hope by the end of this sermon that he tells me what it is. All right, so we're going to get to that in just a minute, so hold on. But I want to talk about a few other things before we get there. There's another observation I want to make on point number one is, is and that you've been given a gift, is is that if you are part of God's team, it's important that we know that together the team has great value. So 1 Corinthians 12, 20-21, Paul writes, As it is, there are many parts, yet one body, that I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And so many of you are familiar with this passage, or maybe you read it in your time alone with God this week, that he uses the analogy of their body to describe how parts of the body work together, and therefore parts of 
Christ's body should be working together. So just as with the human body, each body part needs the other parts, and each member of the body of Christ is dependent on the others. Like my hand is really dependent on my arm, and my foot is really dependent on my leg. This is why being actively involved in a church is crucial to your personal relationship with God and your ministry. We were designed for one another. Uh, Yes, you can get something out of an online church. Yes, you can experience God in nature on Sunday morning. But that's not what God designed us for. He designed us to connect with him. Yes, you can in any place and anywhere. But he designed us for one another. And being connected to one one another is God's ongoing strategy for the church to fulfill his mission. And the last observation I want to make on you've been given a gift is that you have been uniquely gifted by God, uniquely gifted by God, and individually you have great value. So not only do we have great value as a team, but individually you have great value. Yes, we're best together, but we can't miss this. God has uniquely designed you. God has a specific plan for you. And Jesus died for you. So if you feel less than, less than, because according to you, you're not pretty enough, or if you feel less than because according to you, you think you're not smart enough, or because you don't see yourself as funny enough, because you're not athletic enough, or because you have some kind of impairment, you need to know this, that God has uniquely designed you, God has a specific plan for you, that Jesus died for you, and God has purposely and specifically given you a supernatural gift. You have been uniquely gifted by God, and individually you have great value. So number one is God has given everyone on his team a gift. But this brings up the question, how are we supposed to use this supernatural gift? So many of you are familiar with 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter. It's very popular at weddings, and that's fine to use it at weddings. But I don't think Paul was thinking about a wedding when he put 1 Corinthians 13 between 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. I think he was giving us an idea of how we are supposed to use the gifts that he's given us. He says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clean cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So a little bit of context in the church of God in Corinth. Uh, There were certain gifts that I believe we can gather from the text that was being exalted over other gifts. Uh, He's got that gift. He's like, the superhero with the supernatural gift. Everybody's got supernatural gifts, but that's the superhero. (laughs) And they were using certain gifts to benefit themselves rather than others. 
But God gave us gifts with others in mind. If you hoard your gift, it will rot. God gave you a gift in order to get it through you. So if you're not using your gift, whatever it is, in a loving way, then you might as, not, might as well not have the gift. A gift used in an unloving way is useless. And the bearer of the gift, as Paul says, is nothing. So in other words, your gift needs to be used in a loving way for the recipient of that gift to get the effects of the gift that God has given you. So how do you use your gift in a loving way? I believe it's right here in the text. As God was and is, is patient with you, so you be patient with others. As God was and is kind to you, use your gift to be kind to others. As God was and is humble and gentle towards you, you use your gift to be humble and gentle towards others. As God was and is accommodating towards you, then you should accommodate others as well. And as God was and is forgiving towards you, then you should use your gift in a forgiving way toward others. Therefore, when you are using your gift, make sure that you are implementing it with patience and kindness and humility, gentleness and grace. So, God has given everyone a gift, everyone on his team a gift, to use in a loving way. But now we have the question, but what are we supposed to do with the gift that we're supposed to use in a loving way? So number three is, we find this in 1 Corinthians 14, God has given you a gift to build up his team. He's given you a gift to build up his team. 1 Corinthians 14, 12 says this, So with yourself, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Strive to excel in building up the church. Six times in chapter 14, Paul says that the primary intent of spiritual gifts should be to build up the church. So let's go back to uh, what, are, what is your gift or what are your gifts that you have? It could be one, it could be several, it could be different ones and seasons of life. So how do we figure out what these gifts are so that we can build up the church? Well, there are helpful, practical ways to discover your gifts. You could try various ones and then see, and I think these are very valid. You could see what comes naturally, what gives you joy, and what do others say. A lot of the gifts that we see that are listed out in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans uh, chapter, what chapter was it, 12, is gifts that we all should be engaging in anyway, like the gifts of service and the gifts of wisdom and knowledge and even to some degree prophecy and telling truth and teaching. And we'll see elsewhere in the scriptures where we see the gift of evangelism and hospitality. So we should be engaging in these anyway. But just as a side note, just because something may not be your gift doesn't mean you shouldn't be engaging it. For instance, if I, I may not have the gift of hospitality, but that means if you, it doesn't mean that if you come knocking on my door that I shouldn't let you in the house. So we should be engaged in all the commands in Scripture. But God has gifted us particularly in certain supernatural ways to be able to carry out these gifts to make incredible impact in the kingdom of God to build up the church. But we must realize that nowhere does Paul say, try to figure out your gift. 
Instead, he simply writes to, to strive, to excel in building up the church, that that should be the focus. So the question is, how do you build up the church? Well, the first time that we, meant, that we see in the New Testament this phrase spiritual gift mentioned is actually in Romans chapter 1. It's in the first chapter of these letters. Paul says this in verse 11 to the church in Rome. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. And basically what he's saying, I long to see you so that I can use the way in which God has gifted me to strengthen you. That's the desire of his heart. Well, strengthen him, them in what way? Is this a physical strength? Is this a spiritual strength? Well, if you bounce over to 2, Corinthians, I mean, 2 Thessalonians 3.8, Paul writes this about Timothy. He said, we sent Timothy to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Same Greek word that we see in Romans 1 for strengthen. We also see it in 2 Thessalonians 3. So when you put these two together, it seems what Paul is saying is that he's using his spiritual gift to strengthen their faith. And so for us, in trying to discover what is our spiritual gift, I think the place where we should start is with the people around me in my spheres of influence, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, whether it's at church, wherever it is, the people that I come in contact with, we should be asking God, God, how can you use me to strengthen other people's faith. And then I believe when you strive to build up the church by strengthening the faith of those in the church, then I believe God will make sure you are empowered with the gifts you need. I think he answers that prayer every time. This is how I believe you discover your gifts. For instance, I was talking with my mom a few days ago, and she was telling me that she loves writing notes of encouragement to people when they're going through a rough spot. My mom is an incredible encourager. And often she says when she's writing a note of encouragement to someone, she thinks, where do those words come from? They must be from the Lord. And so what I told her was that in that moment, I think that she's exercising some spiritual gifts. Not only her spiritual gift of encouragement, but there's probably empathy and compassion. And literally, I think God's given her the gift of words. And so all she's thinking is not, what is my spiritual gift? Lord, tell me so that I can use it. She's just burdened by the people around her. And she says, I want to strengthen their faith. So how can I do that? I think I'll write them a note. So I think that's where we start. So God has given everyone on his team a gift to use in a loving way to strengthen one another's faith in order to build up the church. So what is the ultimate aim of all of this? And this is where I want to bounce to Ephesians 4. The aim of God's team is the fullness of Christ. Number four, the aim of God's team is the fullness of Christ. So we want to end in Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. And I want you to do this. I want you to listen as I read a few excerpts from chapter 4 in Ephesians and listen for these phrases, phrases that you've already heard already. A separate letter. I mean, Paul must really believe that this is God's ongoing strategy for the church because he mentions this multiple times. You're going to hear phrases like one Lord, one body, but parts. You're going to see gifts, and you're going to hear love and building up. And then you're going to hear Paul say, the aim of all of this is the fullness of Christ. 
So let's look. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, talking about Jesus, he led a host of captives. This is a throwback to the Old Testament. It's a fulfillment of a prophecy. And he gave gifts to men. Verse 10, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens. Why? That he might fill all things. Well, how is Jesus going to fill all things? He gave, verse 11, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. What is our aim? Until we all attain unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, and then listen to this, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, 1 Corinthians 13, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Man, Jesus went up and he gave gifts to us. Why did he do this? The mission of the church is to reach the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's why we're here. That's why the church exists. By giving gifts to, some statistics say that there's 1.3 billion Christians right now scattered all over the face of the world. When believers are using their gifts to build up the church collectively, the church is representing Jesus to the world. So you think about this. In Ephesians 3, Paul writes that there are actually beings that we can't see that are looking in and watching the church. Ephesians 3, I think it's verse 10. So I think that's happening. Is when the church is working and all the individual members and its individual parts and the individual local churches are working together living out the gifts in which God has given them. And those beings that are outside of this cosmos are able to look in and say, well, I know Jesus went up to heaven, but that sure looks like Jesus there on the earth. That was the plan for the body of Christ. But also, so this is a worldwide universal church, but the same goes for the local church as well. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Paul says to the local church at Corinth, you are the body of Christ. So if he was here today, he would say, King's Cross, you are the body of Christ. So for example, when the member, when each member of King's Cross Church is exercising his or her gift on Sunday mornings and even throughout the week, the individual parts are strengthening one another's faith and building up the church to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And thus the body of Christ is displaying the fullness of Jesus to a community that doesn't know Jesus. 
And sadly, the opposite is true. If one member of the body of Christ here at King's Cross Church or anywhere else is not using his or her gift to strengthen others' faith to build up the body of Christ, there is actually a deficiency in displaying the fullness of Jesus. And thus, the world around us is not seeing the real Jesus. Therefore, you must realize that using your gifts or gifts to strengthen and build up the church is evangelism. It is communicating the gospel to the world. Jesus ascending to heaven and giving the church gifts was so that together we can display the fullness of Christ, and that is God's ongoing strategy to fulfill his mission to reach the world. So, in conclusion, as we land the plane, if you are not a Christian, we have talked a lot about how to function on God's team, but we haven't necessarily talked about how to join God's team. So God has given us gifts this year in the church, but the greatest gift, and I mentioned this during the offertory, that God has given us is a son, Jesus, who lived and died and rose in our place. So to join God's team, all you have to do is to recognize you're a sinner, that your resume doesn't work, and that you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to come into your heart as your Lord and Savior by putting your trust in him and his death on the cross. That's how you join the team, and you can do that this morning. You can walk out of here. You might not know your specific gift, but at least you would know that the gift the most important gift has already been given and you can receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. But if you are a Christian, this is where I want to challenge or encourage you. God has given you a gift to strengthen others' faith in order to build up the church. How do you figure out what that gift is? You just strive to strengthen other people's faith. He's given you this gift to build up the church and then display the fullness of Christ to a world who doesn't know him. So in trying to figure out what is your gift, I would do this. I would, I would encourage you to do this. You find your gift by simply asking God, God, how will you use me to lovingly strengthen and build up other people's faith? In fact, what I want to do is I want to leave you with a prayer that you can pray every day this week. And then I want to challenge you to trust God to do the supernatural. And I believe that if you pray this prayer, I mean, this is God's will. Like, this is his mission. This is why the church exists. This is one of the primary reasons he brought you into the kingdom. So when you pray for this, I believe God's going to answer it 100% of the time. So here's the prayer. And I don't have it in the bulletins. I'm going to actually say it twice because if you want to write it down, I want to give you an opportunity to do this. So this is the prayer. Pray this every day this week. Lord, please point me to someone today who according to your power working through how you have gifted me, I can lovingly strengthen their faith and thus build up the church in order to display the fullness of Christ to a world that doesn't know you. Read it one more time. Lord, please point me to someone today who according to your power, working through how you have gifted me, I can lovingly strengthen their faith and thus build up the church in order to display the fullness of Christ to a world that doesn't know you. 
And again, I believe that when you pray that prayer, sit back and watch God do the supernatural through you, I believe that he answers it every single time. So let me pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for uh, the supernatural gift that you've given us in Jesus Christ. And I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you personally as Lord and Savior, that they would join the team by receiving your good gift into their hearts. And Lord, I pray for all of us that are here. I pray that we walk out of here very passionate about building other people's faith up so that the body of Christ will be built up and so that we can display the fullness of Christ to a world that doesn't know you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. My name's Chip. I'm the lead pastor here at King's Cross Church. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope that you're growing in the gospel as we work our way through the story. Take a moment to subscribe and you'll get each week's episode automatically. May the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.